0: Hello again, everyone, and welcome to our Detroit News, Detroit Red Wings podcast, Octopulse. I'm Mark Faulkner, assistant sports editor, and I'm joined by beat reporter Ted Kaufman. We're in our downtown TV studio where moments ago, Ted, you and John Neal recorded our TV midseason review. And I kind of missed the
1: noise around us here, Mark. I mean, it's kind of a different vibe, a different feeling in here.
0: We're no longer up at Little Caesars no, like we normally no, are. No. Now, on the uh, TV show, one player who didn't get a lot of mention was Dylan Larkin because you guys identified players who may have exceeded expectations, and there aren't a lot of players obviously who no, have done short that. a But how about uh, Dylan Larkin? He's minus 16. He's played in 40 games. What's your assessment, Ted, of how Dylan Larkin's played in the first half? He
1: hasn't been nearly as good as last yeah. year. I think it's fair to say the stats are down. I think he's done a great job leading this team. I mean, he's mm-hmm. he's as well as he could for a young kid like that. I mean he's out there after every game addressing the media, talking about what went right and well what's been what went wrong. That's been the case more often this season, but Production-wise, I mean, let's face it, he just hasn't been as good as he was last year. There's various reasons for it. I mean, there's been no Anthony Mantha on his line for large stretches of the season, but Mm -hmm. opposing teams have dialed in on him, and he hasn't been able to answer. I mean, the numbers are down, so he hasn't had as good a first half as he did last year, for sure.
0: Let's uh, go back right now to the last two games. You were in Florida on Saturday night, the 5-4 loss against the Panthers. They had a 3-1 lead. How do you think they played against uh, Joel Quenville's team there?
1: I think both those games in Tampa and in Florida, they played as well. <laughs> they, they've become like that poor high school team that we pat on the back for staying close. I mean, they stayed close. I mean, they really – they were, probably didn't play well enough to win in Tampa by any stretch, but they, mm-hmm. st- they kept close. Florida, they had a little better evening there, but still, you got the same old bugaboo. You give up two or three goals in rapid fire fashion, and all of a sudden you're behind by, by a couple of goals, and, and they, with this type of offensive lineup they have, I mean, they're not gonna catch up too often, and they have it. So it was pretty much more of the same, just, you know, they were competitive. They were a little bit more competitive, sure. but I don't like complimenting them for a good work ethic or whatnot. I mean, they're, these guys are professionals. I mean, come on, it's gonna work every night. So they played a little better hockey, so yeah. maybe they can. Maybe it's something they can build on here for the next little while.
0: After that uh, first game against Florida, you did talk to goalie Jimmy Howard about those two goals in nine seconds. He said it seems to happen a lot to his team, allowing two quick goals, and here's what he had to say.
1: Jim, why do you think it happens? It's happened so often this season. I mean, you, give it a, you guys give up those goals in bunches like
0: that. Ah. Uh. I wish I had an answer for it. I really do. Uh, not sure. Just. Uh, uh, but on, on the positive side of tonight, you know, we stuck to it. We kept going. Um, you know, we we you didn't see that uh, you know that letdown of uh, you know of this. Here we go again. Uh, the guys kept fighting and uh, you know made a game of it. What are your thoughts about the defensive lapses with the wings or minus 70 in goals differential? The worst. In the league, and you were saying with John, they might get into the triple digits, more than 100 goals. Which is
1: really unheard of in today's NHL. Absolutely. I can't remember the last team, that maybe that bad Colorado team from several years ago. I don't remember specifically, but that's tough to do in this today's NHL. No, it's a poor defensive team, and mm-hmm. for whatever reason this year, if they get scored on, they just melt, and then those get scored on again, and oftentimes <laughs> again. It's look the second half of the season, Mark. It's something they need to correct or fix. I mean, it's getting it's been out of hand too often, more than not. Uh, if they have any hope of becoming respectable here in the second half of the season. They do need to correct that trend because it's just costing mm-hmm. them way too much.
0: And after the uh, Tampa Bay game, Franz Nielsen talked to the media about taking too many penalties against one of the uh, better power plays in the NHL.
2: kind of knew we couldn't take too many against them. Uh, I think the first one, we they had lost chances, and then we figured it out a little better. Uh, I think. Uh, just, it was a good shot by by point. What do you
1: have to say about Bernie? Tonight? He
2: was great, uh, especially early on in those power plays they had there. He came up big with some huge saves and, and kept us in it. Um, yeah, we just took a
1: few too many against them. Um, it, it's a good power play.
0: So there's Franz Nielsen, whose production has fallen from 20 to 17 to 16 to 10 to one. Shooting percentage from 11 to 10 to 8.3 to 1.9. Only one goal in 35 games after 163 goals. He makes $5.2 million this year and he's on the books for two more
1: seasons. The hope is that maybe he can recover. I mean, maybe this is just a really bad season, sure. but obviously he's got plenty of company in that regard, Mark. I mean, there's a lot of players on this team having near worst or worst career seasons. That's part of the reason why why they are where they're at. It's just been a very, very horrifying display at most nights.
0: You and John did identify one player uh, before we go to our break and, and hear from Kaylee Chelios, and that is uh, Darren Helm, who on this team with a minus 70 goal differential is even. He has six goals and nine points, and uh, on most nights, he's uh, he's one of the better players on the team, isn't I he? I think him yeah. and
1: a guy like Luke Denning, I think – Jonathan Bernier on some nights has been that he's been doing a great job I mean there's a small handful who are playing up to their potential and the expectations that I think most of us had I think Darren Helm's definitely one of them I mean when you see when you look at this team and the amount of ice time he's getting and he's even as far as the plus minus I mean that's an accomplishment on this team so yeah, I mean any kind of wonder would he be a piece that maybe they could trade at the deadline he would get yeah. some picks back but And he's got one year left on his deal, but boy, I mean, then you you trade him, then you have to replace a guy like that, and that's there's nobody in the organization right now even close to have that type of you know can play that type of defense and kill penalties and checks. So it'd be a tough guy to replace. So yeah, it just presents other issues when when you're trying to (laughs) fill one. It seems like with this team this year, you try to there's what's the old expression about how a you know a dike and you have some water seeping out of the dike and you put bubble gum on it and you fill that one yeah. spot and then another hole creates i mean it's just been amazing this year we'll come
0: back with over time some final thoughts and looking forward to the games upcoming in our next podcast but coming up next let's hear from kaylee chelios an nhl broadcaster with the tampa bay lightning and the daughter of former red wings defenseman chris chelios Joining us now is Kaylee Chelios, the daughter of former Red Wings defenseman Chris Chelios and a radio color analyst and reporter with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Welcome to the podcast, Kaylee. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. First of all, I'd like to pay tribute to uh, hockey writer Kevin Allen, who mentioned you today and your dad in Kevin's farewell column in USA Today. After 34 years, Kevin Allen is leaving the paper on Friday. No bitterness, just gratitude. He said he enjoyed spending time with you in the broadcast booth and he mentioned your dad's desire to win. I'm wondering, Kelly, what was it like spending some time with him when he was documenting the the role of, of, of females in the hockey industry?
2: It was really great to get to know Kevin. Um, you know, I got to speak with him at the morning skate and then obviously we get to converse a little bit and kind of reintroduce ourselves. It had been a long time since I'd actually seen and, and worked with Kevin before. So, it was really exciting to, to be a part of his story. I mean, he's, he's such a legend and such a pioneer among writers, you know, over 30 years working and writing and, and just producing some pretty unbelievable stories for USA Today and, and a really illustrious, incredible career. So I'm sorry to see it end with USA Today, but, you know, like you said, he's just full of gratitude, no surprise there. And it was great and an honor to really be a part of a story that he wrote about women and kind of the field and what it might look like you know, a little bit more in the future and to be a part of some of the names that he included with me, um, mm-hmm. like Cassie Campbell and Kendall Coyne and, and those other women who are kind of in the same area that I am, AJ Malesko, uh, trying to do color. So it, it was great to, to get to work with him and, and uh, pick his brain a little bit. And, and obviously reading the story, it was incredibly flattering. And um, I don't know that I necessarily warrant being up there with some of the other women, but it, it was, it was great, and it was uh, it was really cool to be a part of that, obviously, as his career with USA Today comes to an end. It was um, at least an honor to be in one of his last two stories. In
0: fact, on that topic, let's hear from Tampa Bay general manager Julian Brisebois. Like Tampa Bay coach John Cooper in that story, Julian didn't talk about your breaking barriers or what may happen down the road. There might be a first female referee, and you were talking about breaking barriers and what what may be down the road but uh, Julian was talking about your natural feel for the game and here's what he had to say
1: every time I hear uh her um whether
2: it's on the radio or on tv she's just so knowledgeable and insightful and considering it's not not as if she's Played in the NHL. It's not as if she
1: no. uh, even played college hockey. I think she was a cross player. Yep, uh, but she has a really good
2: uh, feel uh, for and uh, mind for the game, and uh, and I think it uh, rewards her listeners
1: uh, because they get some 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 smart uh, commentary on what's going on uh, around
0: our team. Where do you think you are with your development? You're hearing these things that you didn't play the game, but you have a feel for it and you're learning and you're 26 and your first full-time radio analyst job with Tampa Bay. But how do you handle all of these observations, compliments, and and maybe people giving you constructive criticism as well?
2: It's been a lot of fun. It's been really great. And, you know, obviously I don't see myself quite where I want to be. I'm only in my second year now doing um, analyst work. So I, I still have quite a ways to go and uh, you know there's you kind of picture where you want to be and the type of broadcaster you want to be and how you want to be able to narrate stories and and call a game and the way that sounds and I still think I have a lot of work to put in here uh there's a lot of people obviously that have helped me and been incredibly supportive like Julian Brisebois Mm -hmm. um and it means a lot obviously coming from him he's incredibly smart uh, he's got a lot on his plate obviously managing the Tampa Bay Lightning so for him to take time out of his day to kind of encourage me and give me advice and and help me out when he can is really generous of his time but he's very personable, very smart and obviously highly respected and uh, he's achieved a lot in his career so it it means a lot obviously when you can speak to somebody like that and, and get their support and what you want to do and I know I I haven't played at the professional level I played growing up and I think having a dad, obviously, who's, who's had a steam career, guide me and watch my brothers play, you know, triple A through college um, onto, you know, AHL level professional hockey has helped a lot too. in just shaping my mind, what I look for on the ice, you know, how I see the game players, uh, everything like that. So my dad's obviously played a tremendous role in, in my growth in that sense. And I run so much by him good, bad, ugly. He's heard, mm-hmm. seen it all. And he's my biggest supporter, but also it's great because he's a—he's not afraid to be honest and um, offer constructive criticism. So that's kind of where I'm at right now. I think, you know, the more constructive criticism and advice I can keep getting, the better. Um, I'm obviously still working my way up and have a lot more years I want to build and put under my belt. But my play-by-play partner, Dave Michigan, who's been covering the year for or covering the Lightning for about 18 seasons in hockey, even longer. He's brilliant, and he's been an incredible mentor and so good every game that we work together at pushing me to dive a little bit deeper and examine the game at an even different level than I was used to seeing before joining the Lightning and getting to work with him. So he's been outstanding, and I can't thank him enough for what he's been able to do with me Mm -hmm. uh, in my career so far as well.
0: Kaylee, you mentioned your uh, local connection to hockey here in Michigan. Your dad, of course, the Hall of Famer, three-time Norris Trophy winner, three-time Stanley Cup champion. Did you spend a lot of time in the Detroit area when you were growing up? And, of course, your brothers Jake and Dean were up in East Lansing with the uh, Michigan State Spartans. But what was it like? Uh, Did you spend much time here in the Detroit area?
2: Yeah. I spent a ton of time there. Uh, You know, he got traded to Detroit when I was about seven years old. So I really grew up and was raised and played hockey, all sports and everything uh, in Michigan. I love it there. Um, It's a great home for me. Um, It's, it's really where I grew up playing the game and, you know, going to the Joe Lewis all the time and and getting to, um, you know, learn from my dad and everything, but I, I love the Detroit area. It's done so much for me and my family and I have a lot of friends there, you know, that are still there. And it's <clears throat> it's, it's obviously a, a place that I like to call home. I haven't been back too much um, since I started working and since going to college in Chicago. But it was great watching my brothers get to play at, you know, the competitive levels, going to all the rinks with them and, and my mom when they had their travel hockey tournaments and my own as well um, when we started playing travel and high school and, and everything like that. It's been... Uh, Awesome. So, uh, I do love Detroit, and it's it's always going to be kind of a home for me.
0: Now, why journalism? You wound up at Northwestern, Kaylee. Uh, where did you develop that interest in in telling stories and in trying to be entertaining and informative? Where did that come from as you were growing up in the in the area here?
2: Oh uh, well, to be honest, you know, I hadn't necessarily considered what my career path would be exactly. I loved playing sports I grew up in it it gave me structure it gave me really everything all the tools that you know I ended up really needing in life down the road especially I feel like came from sports and my teammates and the confidence I got from you know being on a team so it was kind of always invested in I've always been invested in sports to some capacity and it wasn't until college um, you know when I went to Northwestern it was such a great prestigious academic school and on top of it I got to play for a great coach. Um, on a fantastic team playing lacrosse, and so I thought I got the best of both worlds that way, and it wasn't until I was in my junior, senior year of college that, you know, I watched a lot of Catherine Tappern um, on NBC mm-hmm. doing games. I obviously loved listening to games as a kid, always growing up listening on the radio on the way home when it got too late to stay to the end, or listening on the radio in my bedroom when, you know, the Red Wings would be on the road in the Stanley Cup. Um, or in the playoffs and everything and that was the only way to watch it from my room or listen to it so um, you know I, I wanted to be a part of it I love hockey I'm um, really passionate about it and I felt like for what I wanted to do as far as um, eventually as I got a little bit older deciding to be more in like the analyst um, do a little bit more analyst work I knew that I, I wanted to stay in hockey to be able to do that as opposed to other sports and just You know, watching people like Catherine Tappen kind of gave me some inspiration. Seeing another woman up there, um, you know, you kind of think, oh, I want to do what she does. And it kind of led me getting into journalism. Sarah Kustuk, too, she's another person from Chicago who does a great job covering the NBA and went to Northwestern. So she helped me a lot with my reel and and kind of the direction I needed to go to get where I wanted to. So it led me to doing Northwestern's accelerated master's program program. for a fifth year of school and it ended up being an incredible program extremely challenging but beneficial for me and uh you know by the end of it i ended up in tampa so it it ended up being a great path to follow i kind of mm-hmm. took a chance and wasn't great wasn't perfect but uh eventually you know I, I figured if you worked hard enough and you get the experience and the reps you know you'll get closer to where you want to be so that's just kind of my that's kind of my thought process now as I look to continue to climb the ladder a little bit.
0: What did your mom and dad say about your career path, what you were doing? We haven't talked much about your dad, who was just featured in Ken Dryden's new book on Scotty Bowman. And uh, Scotty said that your dad would be hooking and holding and jabbing and bothering the really good players, always looking for that little edge. And he didn't worry about the consequences. And in those days, Scotty Bowman said there was only one referee. So my question is your <laughs> yeah. <laughs> tell me a bit about your parents and your dad, of course, and 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 what and and you said he backed you and he can be your uh, you know tell you honestly how you're doing. So maybe you can go a little bit further on that, Kaylee, if you don't mind.
2: Absolutely, um, yeah. I mean, I I love everything my dad has done for me has been incredible, and he's so unselfish. And I know he's got that tough, mean persona, <laughs> and kind of character on the ice understandably so after watching him and looking at old video and everything like that um but he's just an incredible family man and he's really the one who suggested that I start doing it from watching Catherine Tavern and watching hockey games together when I was in college so Mm -hmm. he really gave me the kickstart I needed much like he has throughout my whole life um just giving me the extra push and and trying to uh, encourage me to to work for what I want as well. He's a perfect example of that and really set um, an, an amazing example for us to all follow. I have three siblings as well, so he's been an incredible part of uh, why I am where I am today. And you know, even going to personal things, my you know college meeting the the teammates that I met there. If it wasn't for him pushing me in sports and academics, you know, I may not have ever gone to Northwestern and followed this career path, and you know, met my husband now and um so he's he's been awesome you know I can't really thank him enough it's hard to put into words how much he's meant to um me and and in my success now I guess with the lightning and and career path that I've had so far and you know we want to you know we work pretty hard together um you know to try to get where I want to be so he's my greatest supporter and and very helpful there my mom is amazing too I can't (laughs) I can't (laughs) thank her enough for every little thing she's done she's not Mrs. Hockey by any means um but I love that about her so much you kind of need two parents that are on different levels in that sense and she's always there to she's extremely smart supportive and she's always there to to help with every little detail I need that might not be on the ice (laughs)
0: Now, this story on you is also running in the paper as a sidebar with our main story on how Steve Eiserman helped build the Lightning into this model franchise. Nine years, they had Al Murray and Pat Verbeek, and we heard Julian Brisebois earlier. Uh, They've made a lot of good hires uh, through the draft. What are your thoughts about the team and how they've rebounded from last year and getting ready for the playoffs this year and maybe even a couple years with these playoff runs?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, I've, I've been here covering the team now. This is my fourth season, but obviously last season was pretty incredible to watch. I mean, it was outstanding hockey. They just, there just didn't seem to be a game that they couldn't win, even if they were down three or four goals. I mean, they were the team that was going to come back from four to one in the third period and find a way to win and score seven goals. Um, so it was, it was an incredible run. It was amazing to watch kind of the camaraderie of the group have the kind of fun they were having, the coaches, you know, some first-year coaches and Derek Lalonde and Jeff Halpern really doing an excellent job um, Mm -hmm. with John Cooper and and to watch his staff have the success and enjoy the season. I mean, that's, it's rare. It only happened one other time with the Red Wings and there's a reason for that. It's not easy to do. So everything seemed to go in the right direction and all the bounces, breaks, everything was going the way the lightning, uh, you know, couldn't have asked for a better regular season obviously that didn't set up well for what happened in the postseason um it's unfortunate you know I think it stung I think it was pretty shocking even after it was over I think the sting really sets in later on and it's hard I think it was hard for a lot of them to really watch the rest of the playoffs if at all so that one hurt and the storyline going into this season was, you know, going to be, how are they going to start? How is it going to be trying to jump right back on the saddle and realize you have another 82 game season, regular season to push and get into the playoffs. The margin for error is so small. Um, and you know, you can't afford to get off to a slow start and have to play playoff hockey down the stretch. So they had a very, very difficult and uh, challenging schedule in the beginning of this season. I think they've managed it well. I don't think it's been pretty throughout, Um, you know, the first quarter of the season, they had games where they left points out there, but they also had a lot of games where they started to make the adjustments and play to the system and the structure that the coaches wanted them to play to be able to have success in the playoffs. And it's two different seasons as everybody always says, but I think that making the right habits and practicing, um, and it starts in the practice setting really, um, competing and pushing each other and being you know coming together as a team it's a new group this year even though there wasn't a ton of turnover there's there still were some pretty major pieces that uh, left after the season or you know were not re-signed including a lot of their veteran leaders so um, it was going to be an interesting start to see how they were going to respond after that and I think they've responded well and to me watching this team I mean you know I think Julian's done an excellent job at making some pretty fantastic additions to the roster in the offseason. And he's got an incredible team on paper. They're playing very well. We're seeing spurts of them, you know, in the last few games or so play the way they know how to play and really dominate some teams. Um, so despite the results as a coach, and I think from Julian's perspective as a GM, I think you want to see that they're trending in the right direction and they're progressing um, because when they peak at the right time, I think this team is going to be extremely dangerous and difficult to play against not to mention they're going to have a huge chip on their shoulder and the experience of what happened last season, kind of riding on them again, similar to what Washington probably had to feel a little bit Mm -hmm. after losing uh, the series to Columbus when they were ahead Uh, or I'm sorry, when they had to come back against Columbus, but in previous years, obviously the sting of losing, um, you know, really affected them. And I think for the lightning last year was a pretty big disappointment um, all around for all of them. So I, I think, they're a team that's poised to be really successful and extremely dangerous down the road.
0: And, uh, Callie, there's maybe one more sort of local connection. You mentioned your husband earlier, uh, the uh, Danny Vitale, who you met at Northwestern, and you guys were married this past summer. He plays for the Packers. They're 11-3, and three, and they'll be at Ford Field in a couple of weeks. What's that been like for the two of you as newlyweds as, as far as the travel schedule even?
2: Uh, it's been a whirlwind I mean it's been pretty wild with our schedules and you know the hockey season and football season really don't align very well so it's not easy to fly in and out of Green Bay either but definitely worth it it's an amazing uh, you know Packers town it's extremely exciting to go to his games and for him I'm so happy for him and proud because he's you know having a lot of success obviously with this team and he's a player, or I'm sorry, a player, he's a person, but also a player who who works his butt off no matter what, and it's it's really his work ethic and his dedication, his commitment um, that's gotten him to where he is, so I see a lot of the, you know, strong attributes that are in my dad as far as their work ethic in him, and it's, it's really rewarding to watch and see it pay off, and I think he feels, you know, the same for me in, in, in that he's really happy that I'm doing something that I love doing, and having a lot of fun at it every day. I love the people I work with. I love this organization and and the community here. It's kind of a new home for me, obviously, being here for four years now. So I think we're both, you know, trying to push each other as much as we can. It's a grind, you know, being long distance. We got married and actually got pregnant in the same week over the summer. So we had a really busy summer. It's been a really exciting, um, you know, season so far for both of us. Really looking forward, obviously, to the baby. Do in April. And, um, you know, we make it work. It's not easy. And there's a lot of sacrifice and a lot of holidays and moments that you don't get to share together throughout the fall. But, uh, he likes, he's lives with me in the off season here in Tampa, usually at the end of January. So it's, you know, we, we try to make up for it and really appreciate the time we do get to spend together while we're working.
0: Kaylee, thanks so much for your time today, talking about you, your family, the lightning, all the best in your, new job going forward. Thanks Thanks again, Kaylee.
2: Yeah, thank you so much. I appreciate it.
0: So, Ted, there we have Kaylee Chelios, part of one of the more successful organizations in the NHL. Steve Eisman was there for nine years. I wrote a story a bit about how they were able to build a stable franchise and pick players off off a draft list where they were very, very sure of who they were going to take.
1: They just don't seem to have that vibe this year. I mean, seeing them Sunday, too, mm-hmm. You only get two goals against the Red Wings and Jonathan Bernier. I I know the expectations there are sky high, but they just don't seem to have that vibe, that confidence this year. I I would not be shocked if they missed the playoffs this season. They just don't have have the depth this year. A lot of their players are having down years. Kucherov's, I mean, he's still a heck of a player, obviously, but the production's considerably down from last year. A couple people like Tyler Johnson's beginning to to drift off. Mm -hmm. He's slipping. The defense isn't as deep. Vasilevsky's not having as great a year, so it would not shock me. And I can't believe I'm saying this because I've I've always been so impressed with that roster, but. I could see where this season they they have a tough stretch coming up here too like 7 out of 10 on the road or some 9 out of 12 or something like that. I could see where this Lightning team might miss the playoffs this year. And
0: let's wrap up with the uh, upcoming games in Dallas on Friday the Stars are in 3rd in the West just behind St. Louis and Colorado. They're 22-14 and 4. And then Chicago on Sunday the Hawks are a 500 team now, 17 Seventeen and six, and then they come back home for a three-game homestand against Montreal, Ottawa, and Buffalo. But how about Dallas and Chicago coming up, Ted? Two places
1: and, where they usually don't play well, so it's yeah, going to be yeah. losses probably. <laughs> I mean, let's face it—you don't want to take make light of it, but it's not to – I mean, that's two teams that are playing pretty good hockey here, especially Dallas, Chicago. They're starting. I mean, they know that you know if they're going to, if they have any hopes of of getting into the playoffs, which are pretty pretty dim at this point but they need to play better here too It will not match up well with most of the i mean let's say the wings don't match up well with a lot of teams in this league and it's just going to be you know it's it's going to be a difficult weekend probably let's face it
0: and new year's eve is tonight happy new year and things too, Merce, yeah, likewise too. so you know what you'll be doing our next broadcast will be on january 7th against montreal in the meantime you can get all your wings coverage At DetroitNews.com, Ted's daily coverage is online all the time. Also, we have coverage on Instagram, Instagram Stories, Facebook, Twitter, plus our Grand Rapids report, and we have a few more days of our World Junior reports. We'll see you in the new year, Ted.
1: You too.